Heather and I recently bought a car. It's out there in, we call it here, the parking lot. Over there, they call it, where we were just recently, the car park, okay? So I like to call it that. It's out there in the car park. If you're one who likes all the details of cars, and I know some of you do, it's a 2007 Honda CRV with about 86,000 miles on it. And like all the other cars and trucks and motorcycles in our driveway right now, it is red. We've been looking for another vehicle since January when my also red Ford Escape failed its inspection and had to be sold off to a guy in New York where they apparently don't have inspections. I spent a good deal of February and March scouring the internet for a vehicle that matched our wish list, which actually does not necessarily include the color red, and I just couldn't find anything that we liked in our price range. You feeling me here? You know what I'm talking about? A couple of times, I saw something interesting online. Ooh. And then we traveled an hour both ways to look at it and came back disappointed and empty-handed. They looked a lot better in the pictures than in reality. So, our sabbatical was coming up fast, and we didn't really need another vehicle to maybe just sit there for three months, so we stopped looking in March. And what a relief that was. We borrowed for several weeks and we got all the way to sabbatical and we had our three months of driving the little Renault across the UK and parking in car parks. Then while we were in London, I thought, ah, when I get home, it's car shopping. So I opened up my laptop in London the week before we came home and I started looking and I found this CRV at a dealership in Dubois. Hey, that's close. It looks kind of good. In fact, it looks a little too good. As far as I could see, it had everything on our wish list, including low miles, and it was red, and it was in our price range. And so I sent the listing to Peter, who's my car expert at home, and to my dad, who's my extended brain, and they both came back and said, that actually looks good. You should check that out. And so when I got home, I messaged the dealership, and I said, is that CRV still there? And the guy basically said, come and see. I asked him about previous owners and how it looked, and he said, there's a dent in the rear, but other than that, the rear hatch, but other than that, it's crazy clean. You love the salesmanship there, right? You know, it's not just clean, it's crazy clean, right? Especially the underside, no surface rust. So we're back only two days, and we still have jet lag, you know, like about six o'clock in the afternoon, I'm feeling like it's 11 o'clock at night, but... We just look at each other and we say, there's only one way to find out if it's for real. Let's go look at it. Come and see. And you know what happened next? We looked it over for ourselves. We took it for a test drive. We agreed with the guy about some things that needed fixed on it before we would take possession. And then we shook hands on the price. We got it two days before the cruise in last week. And I took it to Ohio and back this week for an ordination council. So far, so good. And I'm glad that's over. Come and see. Come and see. Did you hear that as Keegan was reading it? Several times the Lord Jesus says those words or something like them several times in this very short passage in the Gospel of John. Jesus invites several men to check him out and then to become his followers. Come and see. Now Jesus has not yet spoken up to this point in the book. The gospel opened with that prologue that tells the story of the story that John is going to tell. And it's all about the Word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's from the prologue. We know that Word is Jesus. And then last week, we received the testimony of John the Baptist, notorious JTB. John insisted that he was not the Christ, but that Jesus was. And more than that, Jesus was the Lamb of God and the Son of God. And today, John the Baptist is going to ID Jesus once again. And then, and only then, Jesus will speak to us. The Word will use words. And Jesus will use His words to invite five men, and by extension, you and me, to follow Him. He's going to say, come and see. Look with me at John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, John's disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, do you get the picture there? It's the very next day from what we saw last week when the baptizer, the voice, pointed his bony finger at Jesus in public, and he called him the Lamb of God. It's the very next day, and John is doing it again. We don't know now how many other people were there, but there were with him two of his disciples, John's followers, people in the school of John, people that wanted to be like John, that were following John. One of them was Andrew, according to verse 40. And we're not told who the other one was, though I have a sneaking suspicion that it was the author of this gospel, John. And John the Baptist says to these two disciples with him the very same thing he had said the day before as Jesus is passing by. Look, the Lamb of God, the voice speaks. That's the one who is going to be like the sacrificial lamb of the Passover. That's the one who is going to be like the lamb who does not open his mouth from Isaiah 53 as he's being pierced for our transgressions. That's the one who will take away the sin of the world. That one. Right there. And John's disciples believe him and start following Jesus. Now friends, that's a big deal. It's saying more than just that they, they started walking behind him. It's saying that they transferred from John's school into Jesus' school. They were becoming Jesus' disciples. And instead of discouraging it, Jesus is fine with that. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Literally, what are you seeking? What is it that you're after in following me? I love it that He turned around to do this. He's totally aware of what's going on. And they are looking at him full in the face. And he's looking at them. And he says, what do you want? Verse 38, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? In other words, where are we headed? We're with you now. They aren't just curious about where Jesus is spending the night. They are saying that they are joining his school, so they need to know where to show up for class. Where are we going? I love that the first thing Jesus says in this gospel is, what do you want? I love it that that's a question. Jesus asks the 
always asks the best questions, doesn't he? And this one gets right to the heart. What is it that you want? We're all saying, I wonder what she wants, right? Yeah. We probably don't have to wonder. Jesus says, what do you want? And I love it that the very next thing he says is, okay, come and see. Come and see. Verse 39, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. That's four o'clock. I'm not sure why John tells us that, except that it establishes that it's history. He's probably an eyewitness at this event, one of the participants, and it nails the fact that this really happened about four o'clock on that very day. And maybe it means that they stayed with him that evening too. The day was getting on and they, they not only spent that day with him and followed Jesus to where he was staying, but stayed there as well. Either way, Jesus is fine with them coming around. In fact, he invites them to check it out and to check him out and to see if he's the real deal. Come and see. Okay. Let's come and see. I love this about Jesus. Jesus does not expect us to have blind faith. He invites us to investigate him for ourselves, to kick the tires, to look under the hood. The sales guy in Dubois actually put our car up on his lift so that I could walk around underneath it and check it, up, check it out up close and personal. You know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that part there. I recognize that, looks good. Actually, the point was that there was no surface rust, right? And I could tell that, I know what rust looks like. It must have been kept in a garage in winter or something since 2007 to have no surface rust or never driven in Pennsylvania roads. I don't know. Jesus invites us to walk around and to check him out for ourselves as well. That's the whole point of this book, isn't it? We learned a few weeks ago that John wrote his gospel to introduce us to who Jesus really is. He lays out what he's learned about Jesus so that we can follow him too. He said to us, this book was written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have what? Life in his name. Come and see for yourself. Now, I've got three points of application to share with you this morning, and that's the first one of them. Come and see Jesus. Check him out. We're invited to, to take a look, to investigate him, to put our faith in his name. Notice the names for Jesus that are here in this passage. He's already been called the Lamb of God, verse 36. That emphasizes his sacrificial death. He's also now been called, verse 38, Rabbi, which means teacher. John explains some of his terms. You hear this Hebrew word? Let me explain it to you in Greek, right? He's rabbi, that means teacher. That emphasizes that Jesus has a philosophy of life that he wants to impart to his disciples. He is someone who is teaching a way of life and invites us to follow him in it. And now in verse 41, he's called the Messiah. Look at verse 40. 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Come and see. Hey, Simon, come and see this man named Jesus. Now, I love two things about that. One is that Simon, and by extension, you and I, are invited to check out Jesus for ourselves. It's not like you buy a pig and a poke, right? It's not like you just, you don't sight unseen, just believe, just trust this. No, come and look for yourself. But I also love that Andrew, after spending like just one evening with Jesus, was so convinced that he was, that he was ready to invite his brother to follow Jesus too. Isn't that amazing? What about you? What do you think about Jesus? Are you so convinced that Jesus is the Lamb of God and the teacher and the Messiah that you are ready to invite other people to check him out as well? Andrew says to Simon, come and see. Come and see. Every time we meet the disciple Andrew, he's bringing someone to Jesus. We need more Andrews today. Not someone who has all the answers, but someone who is just simply willing to tell other people what they themselves have found. We have found the Messiah. Just like John the Baptist said, this guy is the real deal. This is the one who has been sent to rescue us. Come and see for yourself. So Andrew brings Simon to Jesus, and look what happens next. Verse 42, Jesus looked at him, Simon, and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, I love the detail here, and not just because two of my own son's names appear here, right? Andrew and Peter. I love that Jesus looks at Simon, and he knows him. He knows that Simon at this point is anything but a rock. He's more like sandcastle at this point in his life. But Jesus can see what Simon will be, and he tells him how he's going to change him. You will be called Rocky. And we know the story, but how eventually Jesus will build his church on Peter's understanding of who Jesus really is. Peter will be a solid foundation stone that the church will be built upon throughout the ages. He will be Cephas. He will be Peter. He will be Rock. I love that Jesus can see that. From the get-go. In fact, let's make that point number two. Come and be seen. The seeing goes both ways here. When we come to check out Jesus, we will find that we've already been checked out. Verse 42 again. Jesus looked at him. That's a detail we can miss when we're reading the Gospels, but... It's amazing how many times the Gospels tell us that Jesus looked at people. Jesus didn't walk around like this. And he's talking, Jesus, God, God the Spirit, you know. He looked at people. And looking is a, it's an essential part of loving someone. It's part of truly knowing them. Friends, Jesus truly knows you. And he loves you. 
Come and be seen by Jesus. That's a big part of the next part of the story. And it's a miracle. It starts with a fourth new disciple whose name is Philip. Verse 43. Got some Philips in the room. I see smiles. When I say your name, it's okay to smile. All the Johns and the Simons and the Philips. Look at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He's probably on the way to a wedding in Cana. More on that next week. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Kind of seems like Philip probably knew Andrew and Peter. They were all from the same hometown. And probably they've been talking about Jesus and who he is, especially Andrew. He's really into that. But here it's Jesus himself that straight up invites Philip to follow him. And Philip does. We'll read more about Philip as the book unfolds. He's great at saying what everybody else is thinking. That's what Philip is good at. But he begins to follow Jesus and, like Andrew, to invite others to do so too, like his friend Nathaniel. It's great to see these guys all excited about Jesus and wanting each other to know him and to follow him too. That's how we should be. We need more Andrews and Philips. Not just come and see, but come and share. Like what the wolves do, what the skatesels do. And Callie, thank you for being with us today. So good for you to come and share a little bit about what the Lord is doing in and through you. Thank you. We'll all do it in our own way. We won't all do it like the wolves. We won't all do it like the skatesels or Callie. We'll all do it, but we all need to be doing it. Who was the last person you told about Jesus? Who was the last person you invited to check him out? Maybe that's all we need to do in a certain conversation is just say, come and see. Who was the last person you invited to open up the Gospel of John with you? Philip invited Nathanael. Look at verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. There's a couple more names for him, isn't there? The promised one. Philip says that he is the one the law and the prophets had predicted. He is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. He is the fulfillment of Genesis 49.9. He is the fulfillment of Numbers 24.17. He is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18.18, 2 Samuel 7, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 31, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 53. And Psalm 2, and Psalm 16, and Psalm 72, and Psalm 110, and hundreds of other passages. He's the one. We have found the one. And he's the son. Now we know that's the adopted son. But he's the son of Joseph. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Record scratch. Now, Nathaniel is not impressed with one key word in that speech from Philip. And I love how Keegan treated that word when he read it. Nazareth, he said. What? Nazareth was a podunk little town in Galilee that didn't amount to much. It was kind of like Pinchatoli of Galilee. Keith, can anything good come out of Pinchy? Let's hope so, right? It wasn't even the little town of Bethlehem where the Messiah was supposed to come from. Nazareth? 
So if Jesus is coming from Nazareth, Nathanael was not going to be impressed. I don't think so. Verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. What's the answer to that? Come and see. Come and see. See for yourself. Don't just dismiss him out of hand. Don't just X the box for that window. Go in. Check him out. Maybe he is. So Nathaniel said, okay. He did. And Jesus had seen him. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Now that's a big compliment, by the way. He's saying, here's a son of Jacob who doesn't have any Jacob in him. This morning I listened to Cody's message from this summer where he was talking about Jacob. I think it was on Father's Day where he called him Grabby. Here's my son Harry and my son Grabby, right? Jacob was a grabber. He was deceitful. He was a grasper. He was, he was tricky, right? And here Jesus says, here's Nathaniel. He's a son of Jacob who's got no Jacob in him, right? He, this is an honest man. This guy tells it like he sees it. If he thinks Nazareth is no good, he tells you Nazareth is no good. He's not perfect, but he's honest. He's not crooked. Nathaniel would never make it as a politician or a, or a used car salesman, right? Those are, that's a joke. Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Because he's nailed it in one, right? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. That's a miracle. Jesus is saying that he somehow saw Nathanael sitting under this particular fig tree before Philip had invited him over to check out Jesus. It's like, what? You saw me? You knew that, was that the fig tree when I had that meeting? And you know that I'm honest, like maybe almost to a fault? You know me? You know my heart? You know my ways? You know what I'm like? Friends, he knows you too. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. He knows, he knows what you're good at and what you're bad at. He never overlooks you. One of you told me last Sunday that I often skip shaking your hand before church. It's like I don't see you. I was embarrassed to hear that I had done that, and I'm sorry. Sorry for missing you. But I want you to know Jesus never does that. He knew Nathaniel, and he knows you and me. And Nathaniel was bowled over by that. It, it, this was all it took for Nathaniel to jump on board. Look at verse 49. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. He did a 180, didn't he? Nothing good can come from Nazareth. You're the King of Israel. That's all it took. He says, Philip was right. You're the one promised in the Old Testament. You're the King of Israel. You are the Son of God. And there he speaks better than he knows. That last one could be saying the same thing 
twice, like the king of Israel, the son of God, saying the same thing. Like in Psalm 2, often the king of Israel was called the son of God. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. But we know that Jesus fulfills that to the greatest degree to that he is not just the son of God, but God the son. The unique one and only son of God. Nathaniel probably didn't understand that yet, but you and I do, because we've been reading John 1. That's his name. And if we believe in it, we have life. What do you think about Jesus? Who do you think that he is? If you're not yet sure, I invite you and encourage you to come and see, to check him out, to investigate Jesus and see if he is what you are looking for. One way to do that is simply to read the rest of the book. Keep reading to the end of the Gospel of John. Stick with us in this sermon series as we see who John says that Jesus is. And there are a lot of other good books that shed light on it too. The, the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and books about them. I've got, I've got piles of good books to recommend to you. I'd be happy to share something with you. Uh, one of the most recent ones I've read is Confronting Jesus by Rebecca McLaughlin, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels. Don't be afraid to look under the hood. Don't take my word for it. Go and find out who he is. Christianity is not a bait and switch. It's not just shiny on the outside or from afar. But when you get up close, it's like, oh, now I see. Instead, when you get inside, you find out it's even better than advertised. Jesus is better than advertised. Now, most of us here are convinced, right? That's why we're here today. But are we holding back? We're convinced that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that He's the Messiah, that He's the Christ, that He's the Teacher, that He's the Promised One, that He's the Son of God and the King of Israel. Check. Yes, I agree. And yet we're not convinced that we can trust Him with our finances or our time or our job or our family or our reputations or our marriages or our relationships, our friendships. So we're holding back some of those. Jesus invites us to try him out, to give him control of every area of our lives. And we'll be amazed at what he does with them. He invites us to believe and to have life in his name. Nathaniel believed. And Jesus said, good job, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Look at verse 50. You can almost hear Jesus chuckling as he says it. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's number three and last. Come and see greater things. The, the, the thing that Jesus had told Nathaniel was just a taste of the things to come. And we're going to see a bunch more miracles as the book goes on. It's often called the book of signs. There's like seven major ones. Jesus declared, on top of all of that, that Nathaniel would see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending 
on the Son of Man. Now there's another name for Jesus. That's one of his all-time favorites. In fact, I think he uses it to describe himself more than any of the others in the Gospels. Son of Man. That title emphasizes his humanity while drawing all kinds of Old Testament connections to emphasize his divine status as well. Jesus says that Nathaniel will see angels of God ascending and descending on him. That's a greater thing, all right. When did that happen? He doesn't mean literally, I don't think. He's drawing a picture of a spiritual reality, spiritual vision like we've been singing about, using an allusion to the story of Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28. Remember that story? It's a few chapters before the story that Cody taught us this summer on Father's Day. Jacob had stolen his brother's birthright and blessing and run away from home and got to a place called Bethel where he was so tired he fell asleep with a rock for a pillow and he was given a vision in a dream of a ladder. You, you probably remember the children's song, right? We are climbing Jacob's ladder, ladder, which is not something that we do and not something that's tr- good, but it sticks in your head. A better translation of ladder might be stairway, okay? So in his vision, Jacob's at the bottom and God is at the top and there's this stairway to heaven and there's angels coming down and angels going back up. These divine messengers going down and going back up. Do you remember this story, Genesis 28? Jacob didn't deserve this. It was all of grace to get this vision in the first place. It was always all of grace with Jacob because he was a grabby guy. What was the point of that story? The point of that story was that God has taken the initiative in his grace to make contact and connection between heaven and earth, between him and his people. God reveals that he's he's going to keep the promises that he promised to Abraham, the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. He says, that's going to happen. It's going to come to you, Jacob, even though you don't deserve it. And this stairway is the proof of it. There's a connection between me and you. The point was that by God, God by his grace was going to link heaven and earth. And right here in this passage, in John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus says that he will be that ladder. He's going to be the stairway. He's not the new Jacob. He's the new stairway. Jesus is going to be the connection point between God and his people. Jesus is going to be our access to God. Ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel, you're going to see that. Come and see greater things like a restored relationship between heaven and earth. Like a restored relationship between God and his sinful people. We can know God because God, the one and only, has made the Father known. Jesus is the way to the Father. Do you want to get to God?
You and I cannot build a stairway to heaven. They tried that in Genesis 2, right? The Tower of Babel, we call it. But Jesus at the cross was the stairway from heaven to us. Later on in this gospel, Jesus is going to tell Thomas and Philip that he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. He's the connection point, the link between heaven and earth. And he asks us, do you believe? Come and see greater things.